Hey ladies and gents, welcome to the Controlled Interest Gamecast, where we talk about video games and everything happening in the industry, episode 237. I am your host, Jared Weich. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, Dominic Orlando. And the circumstances around which I'm joining you are that you are evidence of like some of the highest uh, esteem people I could keep around, because right now, Elden Ring is sitting in my PlayStation 5 that I've not even booted up yet. Except to, I guess, install the game. And I'm no longer working. I'm not obligated to be here to pay my mortgage. But I'm choosing to spend this time instead of playing Elden Ring with you, Jared. Did you, speaking of Elden Ring on the PS5, did you read that weird digital foundry thing of like, it's actually better to play Elden Ring on the PS5, the PS4 version or something like that? It's very weird. Their performance test is very weird. Uh, For the Series X, you want to play with V ss or vrr whatever it's called it's very weird um just yeah i i saw that other uh, uh normally uh for weeks like this we would do a review roundup for games like elden ring but if you've been on the internet that thing <laughs> we don't need to really do a review roundup it's, it's basically i think it's currently <laughs> exactly uh reviewing so well obviously we're going to be jumping into it. it's probably going to be all we talk about next week and I hope to eventually, I want to do a spoiler cast on for that game, because I think it'd be really cool to do outside of a normal podcast. Yeah, so as we wait in anticipation of Elden Ring, we have plenty to I've talk re- about. I've read a, you know, a couple of reviews and a lot of people's <clears throat> uh, reactions to it, re- reviewers' reactions to it so far, um, but I've not heard much about like the story and a little bit about some characters and their quality, but I want I want to know more about, like do we feel like George R.R. R. Martin contributed to the lore here like does that come through that's what i'm kind of still a mystery to me apparently yeah but i'm kind of i'm kind of thankful for that though because as lightly spoon-fed as the narrative is in games from from software i kind of don't want to know from other people and the, i can just yeah. go back and look up vata video videos you know what i mean so i'd rather just experience it myself but that is a good point no one has really talked about george r, r. martin's place in all of this right um because from what we know, he kind of gave them a loose outline, and then Miyazaki frummed it up and kind of twisted it into the dark fantasy that they're known for. Um, I would love, because Miyazaki doesn't really talk to the media, I would love for George R. R. Martin to actually do some interviews in regards to what role he played in all of this. Um, who knows? We'll see. Plenty to talk about with Elden Ring for the foreseeable future, we, uh, especially considering how long that game seems to be. But let's talk about some other stuff. Let's get into the quickie news here. This week has been celebrating Pokemon in the lead up to Pokemon Day on February 27th. Uh, I don't know if you knew that or not, Dom. And every no. day they've been doing these little updates to, you know, Thursday's uh, update for Pokemon Unite. Tuesday's an update for a different, uh, some other mobile game. And it was all culminating to this coming Sunday, which is February 27th. We're recording currently on the 24th. And people were wondering, well, what's going to happen on the 27th? Because that, that is Pokemon Day. And uh, it turns out we're getting a Pokemon Presents. For those unfamiliar, this is the Nintendo Direct-style presentation that Pokemon holds. And it's going to be 14 minutes long. We know that. It's going to be posted early in the morning, because why not? For us, anyways, Americans. And it's interesting, Dom, because we're in a place now where we just saw the release of the Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl remakes late last year. We got Pokemon Legends Arceus, which came out in January. And now uh, we're getting a Pokemon Presents. And the weird thing is, I went and did some research, the longest span between two mainline entries in Pokemon is four years. And that was way back when. 
most recently, the last five or four iterations, the last four generations really, have all been three years at most, usually two years of the mainline releases. Yeah, 2022. <clears throat> yeah, it, it was quicker in the earlier days, and it kind of started getting longer and longer, probably as game development obviously became more complicated. Um, we're coming up on three years. So November of 2022 will be three years from Sword and Shield. So there is potential that we see Generation 9. Um, or it could end up moving to four years and come out next year. And honestly, I really think it comes down to what framework this game is developed in. Is it going to be something similar to Sword and Shield and be an evolution of that? Or is it the leap using Pokemon Legends, right? Who knows? Um... People are speculating, you know, this could be an expansion for Pokemon Legends Arceus because that was something that was new to Sword and Shield is that we had those oh, two right. post-launch expansions. Yeah. Uh, the Crown Isle and I don't remember. No, the Crown Tundra and the Something Isle. I don't remember the names off the top of my head, but it was the first time we had gotten those two expansions for a Pokemon game. Usually it was the third entry. You know, there was... Uh, red and blue then there was yellow there was you know silver and gold and then there was emerald no that's ruby and sapphire what was silver and gold's third one crystal crystal there you go um it's i don't know you know how big of a pokemon fan i am i kind of want to see generation nine but i'm not getting my hopes up because i just want to we don't know what it's going to be so what else i mean because i'm thinking isn't there supposed to be like a new detective Pikachu movie, like a sequel? Isn't that? Yes. And there also is a sequel to the game in development as well. Detective Pikachu oh. two. Okay. Um, yeah, that could totally be something that happens. Maybe it's a combo pack with those two things. They could also announce, um, Pokemon home support for either the remakes or legends Arceus. Cause that currently doesn't exist. All we know is that that feature is slated for both of those games. Well, all three of them in 2022, um, and if that happens, plus the detective Pikachu stuff, I think there'll be a lot of Pokemon fans that are happy, mm-hmm. but I think the general audience will be a bit disappointed because they're hoping for either that legends RCS expansion or a first glimpse at the ninth generation of Pokemon. I don't want to get my hopes up either way. I'm currently in a good place with the Pokemon franchise and I'm just going to be hopeful that i get something i'm excited for but you know whatever happens happens we could also get an expansion for pokemon snap remember that was a new entry in that series Mm -hmm. that came out last year we could totally see something added to that as well so who knows i'm just excited to have something to look forward to because we had that state of play which was okay uh was the state of play or was it a nintendo direct no we had a state of play right it was the horizon one well, last thing I thought was a direct, um, but we also had a state of play this year, and it was um, yeah. I think it had not much going on, at least that, that I for us, anyways. It was very yeah. Japanese developer centric, which isn't our bag when it comes to Nintendo. For oh, me and you. I think a lot of Ghostwire Tokyo was in it. Ghostwire, that's what it was. Yeah. So for me personally, those two presentations didn't do a whole lot for my interest. Not saying they were good or bad. I'm hoping this is the first thing for the year for me personally that I get excited about. And if that's not the case, that's fine. They're not overhyping it. The only kind of way they're hyping it is that they're doing all these small announcements beforehand, breadcrumbing leading up to it. So it's like, mm-hmm. well, if you're going to get all these announcements out of the way instead of packaging them all in one big presentation, what's in this 14 minutes? Like, what right. are we getting? Yeah. So we'll see. Uh, we had a pretty big bomb drop this week. Call of Duty goes ghost. 
which is a headline I came up with, and I would have done it if I broke this scoop like Jason Trier did. Well done. Um, but he tweeted, scoop. For the first time in two decades, Call of Duty will skip a year. Activision has delayed 2023's game made by Treyarch to 2024. Sources tell Bloomberg it's a shocking move that will have a massive impact on the franchise and the industry. Unquote. Uh, before I get into the details that he went on and wrote in the article, uh, top of the story, first glance, Dom, how did this reveal kind of sit with you? Uh, cool. I feel like this is only a good thing for everybody, or at least a better thing for everybody. Um because that i've not played the last couple call of duties so like i understand there's some ignorance here but i feel like i know vanguard they've been disappointed with the sales there and before that i was like cold war is what they called it um yes black ops cold war yeah black ops cold war um feels like it wasn't as big as they wanted it to be um or at least as some of the previous games and it just feels like it's the franchise has just been declining the exception being um Warzone, right? I think people like that. But you mentioned that as of late, there's been some community kind of... A lot of issues. issues with the quality of the mode, yeah. Yeah. So maybe a similar thing there. Like, just It feels like maybe the overall quality of the franchise has kind of been declining. And so take a year off. I mean, we just watched Assassin's Creed do this, obviously, which I think... Um, I don't. I, I assume it's working out for them, for Ubisoft, like financially, but I certainly think most people would, most people would agree that the games have been getting better since then. Um, we don't get them as often, but they're, uh, there's just at least more put into them, it feels like. So it seems like let's let's follow that same model with Call of Duty. Like People will have to wait longer you know, for their uh, Call of Duties, but they'll be better when they get them. And uh, you know, Activision will be better off. I guess not Xbox, too. Um, so yeah, I think this is a good thing, a smart move, and I think it's going to be like a, a, to the benefit of everybody, ultimately. So Jason went on his article to say the company is pushing off the release after a recent entry in the series failed to meet expectations. You mentioned that Vanguard uh, leading some executives to believe that they're introducing new versions too rapidly, said the people who asked not to be identified because they weren't authorized to discuss the deliberations. The decision was not related to Activision's agreement to sell itself to the Microsoft Corporation for 69 billion. The people said, which is kind of obvious, but I guess some people would make that assumption. Uh, Activision is working on other projects to fill the gap next year. A Call of Duty game set to come out this fall, rumored to be an MW2 reimagining, which is Modern Warfare 2, uh, will receive a steady stream of additional content, and there will be a new free-to-play online title next year, said the people. Treyarch, the Activision-owned studio working on the now-delayed game, will also help with the free-to-play title, the people said. And there's also rumors of a Warzone 2 project coming out, which could be that free-to-play game. Other people have said it's an entire game separately, so there might be two free-to-play offerings next year. And the timing of this decision isn't surprising, because if the game this year, which it's rumor, but there's so many leaks that it's all but confirmed, of it being a Modern Warfare 2 reimagining, similar to how they did the first Modern Warfare reimagining, that game sold really well. And out of the last three titles, that's the bright spot. So yeah. it would come as no shock that they're like, if there's any year for us to delay a Call of Duty game post the launch of one, let's do it now because it's kind of the highest guaranteed return that they're going to get in the foreseeable future. Um, and it is a title that is beloved enough to where they can use post-launch content and nostalgia to drive sales for an additional year. So not surprising at all. Um I kind of agree with everything you said in terms of, you know, even something like Call of Duty, which sells in a juggernaut fashion every year, 
these companies it isn't good enough for them. And there comes a point where they do want to kind of recalibrate their release schedule. And funny enough, you mentioned Assassin's Creed. I'm in a place where I'm kind of excited to see the reveal of the next Assassin's Creed, which for a long time wasn't the case because it's like they came out every year. It was expected. So it's like, mm-hmm. why get excited? It's just like, what's the theme? Now I'm like, well, how different is it going to be from Valhalla? And we don't know. So we'll see what happens with Call of Duty. Um, this is interesting in terms of, you know, there was a whole discussion when Activision was purchased by Microsoft. Well, when are things going exclusive? What's going to happen who knows how that plays out now where we might be getting, we're not getting a call of duty every year. And those changes, those changes can drastically affect the partnership that PlayStation already had in place with Activision, you know, like how long have they known or even Xbox known because they are third party partners about this, uh, before the public knew, right. Uh, because they have those things in place for, you know, exclusive DLC and launch windows and all that sure. stuff. So yeah, we'll see what happens. Speaking of PlayStation, this is a big story of the week. Jeff Grubb casually on one of his uh, premium membership giant bomb streams that he does called Grub Snacks, and then he kind of transcribes it onto Venture Beater Games Beat. He revealed some PlayStation Spartacus details. Um, Jeff Grubb described Spartacus as an evolution of the current PlayStation Plus membership split into three distinct tiers. Names of the tiers and the prices are subject to change, but as Grubb understands... As Grubb understands it, here is how they break down. Now, for those unfamiliar, Spartacus has been this rumored, um, I hate to use the word again, reimagining or restructuring or reintroduction of PlayStation Now. And it's said to be combined with PlayStation Plus in a way similar to Game Pass Ultimate, where it's you're paying one subscription and based on the tier you subscribe to, the offerings are different. And uh, I'm going to break these down and then we'll go ahead and talk about it. Is that good with you, Dom? Let's do it. Let's get into it. So PlayStation Plus Essential is going to be $10 a month. Is the PlayStation Plus that you already know, and for that $10 per month, you get monthly games you can add to your library. This works a lot like it already works today. So 10 bucks a month, you're going to be getting exactly what you're getting now. Um, not hard to understand there. Next up, for an additional $3, you get PlayStation Plus Extra. This is the middle tier. It gets you the monthly games and a game catalog for $13 a month. The game catalog is a library of hundreds of older downloadable games. This seems like Sony ripped the download catalog out of PS Now and popped it into PlayStation Plus instead. So remember, this isn't classic games. We're gonna get to that soon. This is the downloadable games you're already used to in the PlayStation Now subscription. We're able to download them and play them. This is a part that's most similar to Game Pass, if that makes sense, Mm -hmm. minus the cloud, obviously, and streaming, where it's just being able to download the games. Now, for an additional $3 on top of that, PlayStation Plus Premium for $16 a month gets you all of the above, meaning you get the the monthly free games and the game catalog of downloadable games, uh, plus everything else that the $16 a month subscription offers. That everything else includes... PlayStation Now's streaming capabilities, which, depending on how you feel about that, is a good or a bad thing. You also get a library of, quote, classic games, unquote, as well as a new Game Trials feature. Game Trials enable you to download and start playing the full versions of new PlayStation games. This likely has a time limit function, which is similar to how Game Trials work on the EA Play service from Electronic Arts. What I want to mention is the EA Play service gives you 10 hours. I would put money on it probably not being 10 hours for PlayStation first party titles um, because most of their 
story-driven games aren't much longer than that. Obviously, there's exceptions and stuff like that. But yeah, that wouldn't make sense for them. Think of it more as like slightly extended demos, I would imagine. Um, And I want to add the last part here from Grub. Uh, He goes on to add, while Sony will not include full versions of its blockbuster games in PlayStation Plus on day one, game trials will at least give a bigger audience a chance to sample those games. Sony is moving into a testing phase for Spartacus in the next few weeks, and it could announce the details of its new membership program in March, although that'll depend on whether it is ready to roll out the service. Um, Another point of clarification is, in the premium membership, those classic games will include PlayStation, select PlayStation 1, PlayStation 2, and PlayStation 3 games, but they will have to be streamed. They will not be downloadable, which is a huge bummer, Mm -hmm. um, which they kind of added into that. Um, Yeah, I... Don't have much experience with PlayStation now, um, and to me, I think this is a service that will, if everything in this is how it seems, will be much more comparable to the Game Pass offering for a slightly more expensive price. I think Game Pass Ultimate is fourteen ninety nine. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm pretty sure, so it'll be a, a dollar more. Um, I am still bummed that you won't be able to download the classic games because streaming can really eat up data in a hurry if you're not paying attention to that stuff. Um, Maybe not for classic games because they're not pushing 4K or anything. I think this all seems a good direction. I'm interested. This doesn't mention anything about PlayStation Online, right? I would, yeah, I was thinking that too. But I would assume that that's included with every with any just a given. Exactly, yeah, has to be. If it wasn't, it'd be mutiny, right? (laughs) Exactly. Or the the bomb they could drop is that you don't need to pay for to play online games. They kind of revert that way too. Um, which I don't think so. I think it's more likely the case that they're just going to include it in the subscription. Mm-hmm. Um, because like they said, the PlayStation Plus for 10 bucks a month is... a uh, PlayStation Plus Essential is what you're getting right now. It's essentially what you already have. So, you heard me talk about all that stuff, Dom. How does this making you feel? As somebody who, uh, you know, dabbles in PlayStation now and you've tried PlayStation... Uh, I mean, you dabble in... Yeah, you dabble in PlayStation now and you've used PlayStation Plus extensively. Yeah, my first my first gut reaction was like, oh cool, like this sounds good. I mean, from what I could hope from them, maybe not what I would want from them, but you know what I expect. This is like, okay, that's you know you did you did what you you know the the minimum kind of to me like to make yourself a little bit more competitive compared to Game Pass. But um, when you break it down that that highest tier, I mean they're the same. You're getting uh, a game catalog. And that is both, you know, local and sometimes streaming. So it's actually the catalog itself is not as good as Game Pass. Um, but also the streaming is, or the classic games are limited to only streaming, right? So that's not quite as good either on that front. But also they're putting the first party games on there, but only for two hours or whatever it ends up being, right? Whereas Xbox, the first party games are just there. And especially now that they have a plethora of studios um, that are starting to churn out some fucking bangers. Like, eh, you know, I think that you could you definitely make an argument that Xbox first parties are, um, you know, better overall than Sony's. I don't think anyone would, I mean, there's points to be made on both sides of that, but yeah, for the same, for the same price though. And it's, so it's, it kind of, it's a good improvement, but it also just is also a reminder that like it's, Game Pass is still just a better deal, just flat out, you know. So it's it's good and bad, I guess. It's good. It's a good step, but still not the biggest, the, the step we hoped for from them. It's weird because to me in some ways, it's almost better to be 
a far departure from the best service around than to be so close that the right. difference in value is so apparent, if exactly. that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, that's what I feel too. Um, I saw but it is an improvement, so I don't want to be a, so I don't want to be negative on it because I think it, it is an improvement yeah. on what they're currently offering, anyways. That's why I still felt a little wishy washy because I'm like, well, it is better. This is you know, get more options and different things and classic games that. Maybe some of them you already can stream for PS3 for sure for on PlayStation now, but I'm not sure about PS1 and 2. Um, I don't actually. I don't think we can do that already. So that's that's a new thing, you know, that they're adding. Um, I did see one suggestion that I thought would have been cool, and they probably consider. But instead of just doing the demos, um, which actually makes a lot of sense too for them, but why not do the Game Pass thing of if you already subscribe, then you can buy those games at a discounted price. So especially when they've you know recently jacked everything up to 70 bucks what if if you're a 16 dollars subscriber you know it's it's only 50 or something or whatever i didn't even think about them not mentioning that of that being sales for subscribers hmm yeah i don't know because that already exists just there's ps plus exclusive sales but it's you know every now and again and it's usually not that big a difference from whatever sales are normally going on but if they did something a little more substantial like everything's 20 percent off for Sony first-party games when they come out, even when they're brand new. Since you're already a subscriber at our max tier, you should get a freaking discount. You know, the demos are great for getting new people in, but I don't know. That's Here's just the thing I want to clarify too. So I'm actually, I'm looking at the Game Pass plans, right? And it's actually, so the comparable service to this isn't Game Pass Ultimate. It's just regular Game Pass, yeah. which is $10 a month. Because that gets you okay. games, that gets you the new games, and you get discounts and deals and all that stuff. The $15 a month membership, which is Game Pass Ultimate, which is closer in price, is the one that gives you cloud. So you can not only play on your phone, tablet, device, streaming in general, PC. It gives you PC Game Pass as well. Um, plus the free perks that they give you. Plus the EA Play membership. Like, it's not even close. Right. Which is very so, apparent, which is better, which is a better deal, which is straight up. And the thing, too, is I don't know if PlayStation's going to be aggressive enough to offer those $1 get-in type of deals, you know? And yeah. mm-hmm. and the thing, too, is, so according to the story, the game trials are only for the $16 a month membership, right? Yeah, exactly. So... Instead of you paying ten bucks, Dom, to play for a month to play Halo and then cancel your membership, if I wanted to do that to try, not even play the whole game, to try out mm-hmm. a new game for PlayStation, I have to pay sixteen dollars. Right. It's like for a month. That's, that's crazy. The, that's a demo, right? Agree. Yeah. It's more than a demo because it's, you know, just the game, but for a limited amount of time. So it's not like a specifically designed demo, but like. You know, I'm, like we talked about uh, de- how many demos are out on the Switch right now for free. You just download them, right? To me, like, they're selling the demos here, right? They're making that a part of the package, which, like, yeah, other people are giving demos away for free and, and Xbox. You know what I mean? Like, it's, And the counter-argument could be, like, well, what if your progress carries over to the full game if you buy it? It's like, well, that happens should. with Triangle Strategy. I don't have to pay for that demo, and I played it, and my progress will carry over to the game when I buy it. It's... It's a bummer because, you know, you're a primary place and I'm primary Xbox. And like I just said, if you want to hop in and try the latest new release, you only have to pay 10 bucks. I mean, it yeah. could be a dollar depending on your situation. But let's just say $10. Get in, you get to play the full game. 
and I had to pay, you know, about what fifty percent more to just try the game out. And that's crazy to me. Yeah. And it, it's a bummer to be so negative because it is an improvement, but at the same time, there is a direct comparison in the market. And as much as it is improving, in my opinion, it isn't enough to be a a, a competitor, you know. So And especially I think it's also worth mentioning that right now the uh, PlayStation Fives are selling super well, right? But so are Series X's and they're basically both selling as far as supply will allow. So you have a bottleneck there, but you, you know, there is no bottleneck on you know, selling software, more software, more subscriptions to the people who already have the boxes. So that's where you have some room to you know, make more money, whereas you can't on selling hardware, like you're capped off. So uh, I don't know, just, I just think they could have done more if they wanted to like re- remain, you know, not that they're obviously still competitive, um, with xbox but it's like this could have been the thing to like cement them maybe back above from a gaming standpoint i don't know like a missed opportunity i guess yeah and i wonder so a lot of times with these changes playstation isn't trying to pull in the people who already pay for playstation plus because they know they're going to have them more than likely they want to get people who don't have the service to opt in right that's the whole point of it and I don't know if this is going to move the needle enough for people to do that because it's like, why would I pay $16 a month for that? It's just, it's with a weird Nintendo thing too, where they're like, well, we're going to dangle these classic games because we hold them hostage this way. So we're going to, you know, I don't know, force you, you know into it, doing it. You know, know what it kind of feels like just overall, here's, here's my final take. This feels like kicking a field goal when you're down six with like three or four minutes left in the game right it's like i guess but it just you know it just feels too conservative when you need to like make the big move here and that analogy can break down can break down depending if you have like a great defense sure but <laughs> you get what i'm going yeah. though <laughs> um yeah it's it's interesting i you know these prices aren't final who cares if the names are final that's whatever but the prices aren't final and i wonder if they lower in price That'll be a lot more interesting if they're higher in price. I don't know. We'll see what happens. Um, yeah. Those weird numbers. 10, 13, and 13 16. 13 and 16. Yeah. Weird. It is weird. Who knows? Um, we'll see what happens. Uh, if it comes in March, we'll we'll know. That's the thing, too, is I wonder if this is going to be its own state of play when it does get announced, right? Um, I think it would be a part of, you know, at the end of one or something. I would hope. Yeah, not not uh, headlining, but state of plays have been so weird too. Because like they'll be great, they'll be blah, they'll be like fine. I don't now know. This, all over this will be a blog post. Let's be honest. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'd hope. Yeah. Um. Yeah, but I could totally see PlayStation leaning into like the the uh, highlight reel of all the classic titles too. You know, and then the little tiny white text at the bottom saying you can only stream them, you can't download them. Um. Yeah, we'll see what happens there, but. PlayStation Spartacus going to be an interesting unveiling this year if it does end up happening. Who knows? Because things go real bad and they can just scrap it and we never hear about it, which doesn't sound plausible at this point, but there's probably been, you know, several years of just like technical architecture work to like build the stuff behind the scenes to like make this work. Um, Yeah, but they bought Gaikai and never used it, you know? Well, exactly. So, I, I mean, this is happening. 
they're not going to go back <laughs> on this now. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's too late. We're too close. Yeah. Especially with Stadia getting uh, murdered in the street <laughs> in front of everybody. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Uh, before we get into what we've been playing, which I have nothing to mention at all, uh, I did want to talk about real quick. We have an interesting opportunity here where this is the last time we're going to be talking together about Elden Ring before playing Elden Ring. With our Elden Ring virginities. Yeah, exactly. Intact. We got our purity rings on. Give us a plus five stamina, minus five defense or something. Um, plus whatever. Anyways, uh, I, I just want to talk about maybe not necessarily expectations because that's something different, but... You know, we've had such a long history with from software and their games. Maybe we can talk about like things we want to see, things we don't want to see, uh, maybe trends we hope stick around. Um, for me, the first thing I want to talk about is I love how from software teases their next game and their previous title. We've kind of figured that out through the, mm -hmm. the releases. I don't know if this is confirmed because I haven't looked into it, but I'm assuming the tease for this was the night on the bridge in Sekiro. I would assume. Uh, oh, right. Like, super iron-heavy-plated night. Yeah, in, in exactly. I what they call them. Yeah. Um, and he screams his son's name when he falls off the bridge. Uh, well, I, I don't know, know if that's that. the... Huh? I did not know that about that night. Yeah, thanks to Vatavidi, I guess it's like, yeah, he's fighting for, to protect his son or something. I can't remember the whole story. It's been a while okay. since I watched that video. Check into that. Yeah. Um, but that's something I want to see. Uh, I would honestly, to your point earlier, I want to feel the George R. R. Martin influence. Yeah, you know, even though Game of Thrones went out like a wet fart in terms of the television show, and we're waiting, going to be waiting a hundred years for the last two books to come out. I do love the way George R. R. Martin builds a world and tells these stories of these interconnecting characters, and I'm so curious to see how that fits into the dark and twisted storytelling that Miyazaki and the team at From Software. Uh, kind of implemented to their games. So I want to see how those two things meld together um, and work seamlessly with one another. Uh, yeah, for me, those are kind of the top two things. I'll think about some other things maybe, but for you, like, uh, is there specific things you want to see or is there specific type of boss fights you're hoping for? I mean, as always, yeah, I want, you know, I want to see all the creative, heinous, terrible bosses with just the most messed up gruesome designs always i'm down for that like that's that's part of why we come here to to from university um but yeah like the thing the, the thing too i'm, I'm with you i want to like i want to see more of a story and more of a world built um i want to feel like yeah like it's george R. R. martin worked on this because yeah that's that's like what's unexpected or like you know unknown to me right now like i mentioned uh, earlier but that's that's kind of what i'm like hoping for less so than what i expect because yeah i expect to see those bosses um <clears throat> i expect uh you know like the, the the rpg elements that i've missed you know, like even from sekiro and bloodborne that that stuff a lot of that stuff kind of got shed a little bit uh, more so in sekiro um you know and i want to see tons of different armor sets and different uh tons of different weapons and variations of weapons that are everything's upgradable and like weird unique stats that scale with weapons and armor different things like that like all that super nerdy shit like 
I'm excited for that. Like that's that's more like the Dark Souls stuff out of the From games, right? Um, yeah. That you know, they haven't done that, you know, in a while. We got it like even like the Demon Souls remake had, didn't have as much of that either because it was like their first game and there was just it was just smaller, right? But by the time they got to Dark Souls three, like, um, that's it, it was just more deeper in terms of those RPG elements and all those variations and this that's what this feels like. This feels like a sequel to Dark Souls three um as opposed to Sekiro or Bloodborne this isn't you know a combat evolution for them it's just like a um well the evolution I guess is more in like it's open world now right um and apparently yeah. feels a lot like Breath of the Wild in that regard so uh, that that's what I'm I'm I have the still the slightest fear that I might not fully buy into that um because that a lot of people like and I love that about Breath of the Wild too but it also, after, you know, like, I think it ended up being like 40 or 50, you know, 60 hours in that game, it kind of starts to get a little tired. Um, but Well, the thing with this we'll game, see. too, is from everything I read, around 30 hours, you get to the opportunity where you can, quote unquote, finish the game. Oh, right. And it's up to you whether or not you want to decide to explore other areas. So mm -hmm. in that sense, I think the moment it starts getting tiring, you can be like, well, I want to finish this game now. And then right. when I feel like coming back to this game, I can explore other areas. So at least there's that. It's not like Persona where, no, you need to commit to playing those 80 right. hours to beat the Mainline game. Um, hours, yep. <laughs> and interestingly, I, I agree with you that it is, I think it's more of a spiritual successor to the Souls trilogy as opposed to the last two titles we got. Absolutely. But with Sekiro, there's three things. As you were talking, I thought about this. There's three things that Sekiro introduced um that i want to see in in alden ring to some capacity one is the guardian eight moment i think that was one of the coolest moments i've ever had in gaming i didn't suspect suspect expect it jesus christ um in terms of souls bosses it's the most creative twist um because we've had similar things where you think a boss is defeated and then it wasn't but the reveal of why the guardian ape was still alive and then you killing it um is really cool and then obviously that leads to eventually there's a third fight with the guardian ape uh later on so that's something i want like a wow reveal moment in a boss fight like that i thought that was really cool two uh the moment you start uh ascending uh, ashina castle and you're introduced to the uh kamikaze uh pilots oh, essentially yeah. just come screaming uh, through the air exactly come out of nowhere and wreck your shit um that's something i want i'd love to be walking through like a dense forest and some random ass thing happens and it triggers this type of enemy i have to be weary of i think that's really cool and something that would be special to have to deal with and lastly uh the snake fight throughout Sekiro, i think is really interesting because for all mm -hmm. intents and purposes it is a boss fight but it's not the traditional souls uh, boss fight where it's a health bar and you're whittling it down and it's an arena where you're fighting this boss it's us this like elongated chase sequence where you're running away from this thing most of the time until eventually at the end you get your opportunity to satiate your desires to kill the beast right i think that's really clever too and that's something i want to see as well and those elements i think can work really well in an open world game i think they made him astounding in a linear title like sekiro uh, but when you add in an open world environment where you can literally have those things happen from any direction you're facing because of the design of the world, you open up the opportunity for those things to feel even more natural and crazy and surprising and unexpected. So 
um, that's something that I hope returns, even though, like you said, this is more connected to souls than it is to um, Sekiro or Bloodborne. Uh, and the last thing I want to mention is uh, in Dark Souls, the original Dark Souls, one thing I thought was so cool is um, what's the name of the prison area you're in to begin the game? Uh, and then you escape on the raven or the crow? Uh, the Undead Asylum. Yeah, so when you first are in the Undead Asylum, um, it has one kind of vibe to it. And then later in the game, you can return to the Undead Asylum, and it has a totally different vibe. There's new explorable areas. Characters you met are slightly different than they were before. That's something I hope we see, too, where, you know, maybe there's these starting areas in Elden Ring that are one way, and by the time you're completing your journey, things have just evolved in a way that are completely different. And I know it's already confirmed we're going to get some of that based on the day-night cycle, where enemies and certain areas distinctly change based on the day-night cycle. But uh, I want that to be not just based on the time of day, but also your experience in the game world itself, that things might change or open up um, based on the time you've experienced the world. So, Anything else? Like awesome NPC quests that are annoyingly uh hard to track and understand but the characters themselves are so cool in the weirdest ways but yeah you have to do things in weird sequences and it doesn't quite tell you exactly what and where everything's kind of affects other things if you do it in the wrong order all that weird stuff but then if you complete the npc quest like something cool happens with it it's always like a it's almost like you you typically have to have a guide to like make sure you're doing those things properly or like at least if you wanted to do like everything in one playthrough sort of usually but <clears throat> to kind of even naturally find that stuff uh in those quests is usually is like satisfying in a weird way but in honor of it being souls adjacent i do think i want to see some type of patches appearance maybe not yes. even patches yes. but characters similar to patches <laughs> and i need an onion knight of some sort i need that as well give me an onion knight uh and Some I want, Siegmeier. yeah, exactly. Uh, or what was Sigurd and Sigmeier? I believe are their two yeah. names. Yeah. Yep. One's the um, That's right. And I want somebody similar, or maybe not similar, but in the vein of Havel the Knight in terms of, I want like a big foreboding, like enemy that isn't a boss, but is clearly not a regular enemy that you stumble upon accidentally and it just ca catches you by surprise. Because, like, with Havel the Knight in Dark Souls 1, he's in that tower, and you just come and it's like, what's this dude? Oh, God. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then you realize how powerful he is. smashes so. you as a pancake in one hit. Yeah. It's going to be exciting. We're on the precipice of experiencing it, and we're going to be changed men following it. Dom will never be the same again. Um, you know, I at bare minimum, I hope it's an enjoyable experience. Um, But I honestly really hope by the time I end up finishing this game that it holds a special place in my heart and is one of you know the best games i've ever played because i have that sort of expectation from from software not only from the reviews but from what they've been able to do because every game they put out seem ends up being one of my favorite games of all time you know what i mean yeah. so I'm, just, I'm really excited and i can't wait to hop in keep on evolving and like refining and it and, and like with efficiency like you always bring it up of like they're able to make games at a good pace and they're all really damn good 
and they and they're not complacent right they could have turned out dark souls games forever but they did Mm -hmm. bloodborne which was similar but different then they did sekiro which is much different and now they were like let's do an open world dark souls game you know they're not complacent with what they do so oh man i'm so excited me too uh i haven't really played anything this week it kind of in that paralysis by analysis I mean, I play, I dabbled with like cyberpunk and stuff, but nothing really to mention at all that's worth talking about. Is there anything you played this week leading up to Elden Ring that you wanted to mention? Yeah, I did finish cyberpunk. Um, okay. Anyway. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, it was like, it was a, there's, it ended and I was like, ah, yeah. It's, I, I'm certain, or rather, I did look up like the other ways it could have ended. Some were a little better. And I'm kind of like, uh, okay, I guess, but that's, I was just bummed out with how it ended for my character. I just, it was annoying. It was a, kind of an unsatisfying, like, ugh. But the story was overall pretty cool. Um, I think I talked about last week, like, uh, you know, all the Black Mirror type elements that they bring in and how they use that kind of stuff here. It's, it's like new terminology and you have to like learn what it means, like all the different stuff that exists in this world it took me a quick second you know to get up to speed on like what they're talking about some of the time but once you do it's pretty cool um and obviously like has a deep you know the whole plot of the game is very i don't know i don't want to spoil it but very black mirror uh and and, like that weird kind of theme but you if you continue you'll know what i mean um but also i I played a, a bit a bit more of metroid dread and it's 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 like i said before just still super satisfying to to control and to play and it's just very smooth and fast and it's not as difficult as i was led to believe um maybe i've just been conditioned differently than some other people you know i was uh that sounded like a really tough guy thing to say but i don't know this game's not as tough as i hoped yeah but it's still a lot of fun um one thing I do want to also point out is um, the rate at which you get new items to unlock, you know, new abilities and go back to reach new areas and new levels, like the whole uh, Metroidvania aspect of it. It's weird calling it that because, like, this is Metroid, but <clears throat> I like that that happens much faster than in basically any game, right? So if you Hollow Knight's a good comparison, where like you get a new ability, you know, you get the the jump off the wall or whatever it is. Um, yeah, and there's a few of those. And the, that was like a longer game in general too, so it's maybe not a perfect comparison, but it, it took a little bit longer to get those upgrades in Hollow Knight, whereas in Metroid Dread, you're kind of getting that shit at a decent pace. Um, and so it's, I don't know what I necessarily prefer because it's slightly less rewarding with that, right? Whereas in Hollow Knight or in a Zelda game, you get a new weapon that lets you go to a new area. It's like feels super rewarding and cool and new um but it's not as frequent so yeah metroid dread is like they're giving you that at a, at a faster pace so it feels like you're not as big of rewards but it's like a constant feed of uh of, of smaller rewards so it's cool it's a cool change i guess um that i didn't know i would appreciate but yeah um and also it's kind of like badass i don't know i didn't i've never played a metroid game before so i, I wasn't sure it's not the it's not like corny. It's not very Nintendo. Um, even though I always thought Samus kind of looked a little cheesy. Um, 
but it's actually more like there's giant gruesome aliens that are trying to kill you with huge jaws and all that kind of shit and like samus is just an absolute fucking uh like action hero action movie hero <laughs> um so yeah that that's something i didn't i didn't know i didn't anticipate and this is kind of cool too but it's nice to um play switch game again it's been, it had been a minute i feel so and we'll hop into a new a franchise you've never played and actually enjoy the experience too which is yeah cool. that's a big part of it obviously metroid has been around forever and i've never played one um besides in smash bros right <laughs> um but yeah so it's, it was cool to similar to when i finally jumped into persona i was like oh yeah that's pretty cool so yeah same thing here like yeah i'm not gonna go back and play old metroids or anything weird like that i'm not a you know i'm not a crazy person <laughs> but uh yeah this was it's it's been refreshing and fun i'd say yeah the i tried playing the original metroid and super metroid and i'll get killed for this but i don't think they hold up at all they're very obtuse <laughs> they're very much of yeah. that era Mm-hmm. The only people who applaud, you know, applaud them are the people who originally played them, and it's a nostalgia thing, and they kind of, I don't know, I just don't think they hold up very much, and I didn't enjoy my time with them. It's like I was dabbling with the idea of hopping in Metroid Dread. I don't know if I ever will, but it's cool to see you experiencing and having a good time with it, so I can at least, you know, live vicariously through you. And I will say, I I saw the uh, the still book from Best Buy for Elden Ring. That thing is incredible. No wonder yeah, I wanted it. Right? Yeah, that thing is so sick. Had to. Um, yeah, I, I totally get it. Um, yeah, I think that's pretty much it. Oh, there was one thing I forgot to add to the news. Uh, apparently, Obsidian's in early talks to make uh, New Vegas 2. You didn't see this report? Didn't uh, see this. Yeah. Didn't see um, this. So, not a lot of details there, but basically, they're in early talks to... Uh, this is also from Jeff Grubb. Uh, he did this during that same Grubb Snacks. That they're in early talks for a New Vegas too, which is interesting because we talked about before. I don't. I think the next Fallout game we're getting is not from Bethesda, just because of their roadmap with Starfield and then Elder Scrolls. It's gonna be a long um, time before it's Bethesda. Yeah. New Vegas two is a weird choice. I would. I, I don't mind New Vegas two. I wouldn't also mind if Obsidian went somewhere else. Um, and maybe it's not even end up called New Vegas two, but I don't necessarily need it to be a follow-up narratively to that that's not really oh, what yeah, i'm into with not. fallout yeah. yeah um but a fallout new vegas 2 would also have the cachet in terms of name to pull in a lot of uh, marketing value so i totally understand that too that's years away though not much talking about now there's not a whole lot of details it's kind of like the new dragon age 4 details of like things are going good cool keep keep on doing what you're doing um that's it for this week's episode thank you guys for listening if you enjoyed head on over to spotify you know search controlled interest gamecast will pop right up we're on twitter at the same name ci gamecast or c-i-r-l-i-n-t that's controlled interest abbreviated independently you can follow me at jared weich j-e-r-r-a-d-w-y-c-h-e dom is at ob dom kenobi but the o and ob is the number zero not the letter o um you can find us on youtube at uh, you know search controlled interest will pop right up subscribe so you never miss a video like if you enjoyed the podcast, leave us a comment. It helps the algorithm. Let us know, would you be excited for New Vegas 2? Or if Obsidian was working on a new Fallout, would you much rather have it be set in a new location? And if Fallout is in your bag, uh, what game do you want to see on the top tier of PlayStation Spartacus from the classic PlayStation games? Other than that, we'll catch you guys next week with our Elden Ring impressions. I cannot wait, Dom. I cannot oh. wait. 
Going to be a good episode Let's next go. week, regardless of whatever news comes out. We'll speak for an hour and a half about Alden Ring. Who cares? Um, yeah, we'll see you guys then. Have a good time.